Welcome to Real Black Consciousness Forum Podcast. This is Big VJ checking in. Today's conversation is the Black Liberian experience versus the Aboriginal timeline. Again, today's conversation is going to be the Black Liberian experience versus the Black American Indian, the Black Indigenous American, and the Black Aboriginal American timeline, right? We're just going to compare some timelines. That's all we're going to do in today's conversation, right? So, so with that being said, we won't have many slides to go over. We won't have a lot of sources. We're just going to have a real good conversation about timelines, right? Because we want to be able to see timelines matching up, right? We look at the header in front of us, right, as a slide. It's a photo of Liberia. How Liberia came about is, see, the American Colonization Society bought a piece of land in West Africa from the Day tribe and the Basa tribe, right? And the way they acquired this land was um, they met with the chiefs of the tribesmen and they gave them some commodities, some weapons, uh, some liquor worth like 300 bucks, rum, I believe it was some rum they gave them worth 300 bucks. And it was some rumors that also Lieutenant Stockton, which is part of the deal, he kind of like... Um, he gave the Basa tribe and the Day tribe a offer they couldn't refuse, right? <laughs> it's like when you watch The Godfather, he said, I'll make, you, uh, make him an offer they can't refuse, right? Michael Colleone, right? Vito Colleone. Meaning that this is part of the rumor that the reason why Lieutenant Stockton, as a representative of the American Colonization Society, got this land so cheap is because he did so with the chiefs of these two tribes at gunpoint. This is how he acquired the land. Now, this is a rumor, right? This is the rumor that go along with the purchase of land. Also, another rumor that goes along with it is that some of the chiefs say they agreed to sell the land, the territory of Liberia, to the American Colonization Society if... The tenants or the new landowners, which want to be the black Americans, agree to never get in their business as far as them being involved in the Atlantic slave trade. That was part of the deal. Right. So. To sum it up, I say that the American Colonization Society was a vehicle that black Americans used to get to West Africa. That's the best way I can describe it in short. Now, you know, like I always say when I talk about Liberia, there's a lot of moving parts, but that's kind of like how that worked, right? So, this territory that was purchased by the American Colonization Society was, it's like 36 miles long and 3 miles wide. It's off the coast. You can see it right here on the photo. And it was also dissected, right? So, you had Maryland 
that purchased its section in Liberia, which was a part of the Maryland Colonization Society. And then you had Mississippi purchase their part, which was also part of the Mississippi Colonization Society. And then you had Kentucky purchase their part. So it was a collective effort to purchase this piece of land in West Africa, right? Now, the American Colonization Society operated this territory through governors, right? There was no, it was not an independent place. It was through governors how they operated and ran Liberia. And they ran it this way from 1820 to 1846, right? Black Americans have already settled in the land and for the first 26 years, this is how they ran it, through governors. And it was a little conflict with the British about they're bringing their ships there and they're not paying taxes when they come there. And the Brits say, listen, we're not going to pay any taxes on a land that's not sovereign. So what happened was in 1846, there was a brother named Joseph Roberts, right? He was a businessman and he... He got the rest of the brothers together, the black Americans, and he's like, yo, he told them what was going on between them and the Brits, and they made a vote. And by 1847, a year later, Liberia got its independence, right? This is how Liberia got its independence from the American Colonization Society, right? So we just, right now, we're just talking about history. We're going to have a good conversation. We're just talking about history. In this process... From Joseph Roberts in 1847 being the first president all the way down to William Tolbert in 1980. Every single person that ran, operated, and controlled and was the president of Liberia was black Americans. Right? They had it set up, right? This was the elite class of this country was black Americans. Now... In order to be a part of the political process, you had to be able to trace your lineage back to somewhere in the United States to be a part of leadership as far as president is concerned. And they was able to do that. So they had their own thing going. This is important because black Americans or black people globally have always been told that they're not able to successfully operate and run a nation by themselves and our people are not smart enough to run government and but black Liberia proved them wrong right they stood out like a sore thumb because they was able to do what they did coming from plantations in the United States of America it's supposed to fail no education when they was living in the United States, they was underneath slave codes, which later turned to black codes in the late 1800s. But by that time, they was already gone. It was just so much pressure that they had to live underneath. But nevertheless, Liberia became a great and powerful and rich nation. Now, sometimes in black history, right, in America, right, we're so used to talking about... Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Thurgood Marshall and Malcolm X. And when we talk about great black American communities, we talk about Rosewood and we should in Atlanta. And we should. I just want to point out that Atlanta been popping since 1909. That's the part that we leave out. 
We think Atlanta is a new thing. We talk about Tulsa, Oklahoma and Black Wall Street and we should. Even though there was like 30 other communities in Oklahoma that was popping, we talk about Tulsa and that's okay because we should. Um, We talk about the Harlem Renaissance and we should. We talk about Detroit and its greatness and with the automobile industry booming and Motown and we should, right? This is all a part of our legacy. So what we do is we talk about great communities, but we leave out Liberia for some reason. And Liberia is really the greatness of black Americans. That's like, that's, I mean, I can't put it any other kind of way. It's like, it's the greatness of black America. Um, when we talk about Africa, Liberia is the place that we can poke our chests out because we did that. You know, like, cause sometimes we look at Kush, but we didn't do nothing about Kush. That wasn't our thing, right? We could name you, um, five people out of our bloodline that was at the job site to build Kush as an empire. You know, we do this whole black thing. Like if a black person do it, we take the, you know, we like the, and that's, that's cool. Cause sometimes, you know, when black people do great things, just as a classification, we poke our chest out about it. But truth be told, we don't have a bloodline nowhere near that job site to help build the Kush empire or the empire in Kemet. That's just not our thing. It's more like an African thing or who built Timbuktu and Mali and, you know, Songhai Empire or the Congo Kingdom or who made Benin, the Dahomey Kingdom great or how great the Ashantis is. Like, that's all great African history. But we couldn't know anybody right off from our immediate bloodline or anywhere in our location that had anything to do with that. It's just great African history. But Liberia, that's not African history. See, that belongs to us. That's the greatness of black Americans and what we can accomplish when we put our mind to it. That's what Liberia is. So anything that you see in Liberia as a black American, that's your thing. When you see the domestic art school, that's you. When you see that Liberian, um, when you see the Liberian mining company, you know, that sent iron to Baltimore, Maryland, and the ore was the highest quality in the world. That's you. That's not them. That's not Native Africans. That's you that did that. When you see the wastewater plants that was in Liberia that created the water and sewage system, that's you. When you see the paved roads and the highways, that's you. When you see the airports and, you know, uh, the rubber company because we have Firestone over there, that's you. That's black Americans that built that. That's your accomplishment in Africa. That's your people that did that. Fresh off the plantation. They ran a republic. That's your thing. When you see the University of Liberia that was created in 1862, that's you. When you see the seafood industry, right? When they were shipping rice and crab and uh, snow crab and shrimp and all of that back to New York and some to the Asian world. Your people did that from the plantations of America. They went over there and they did that. When you see the Grand Masonic Lodge Temple that was built in 1867, see, that was your people. See, see. in other words, what I'm saying is that Liberia was you. 
Yeah, we can kind of like just be excited about what they did as Africans because they were black. And we can say, yeah, that's great. And we can kind of get our feel good going on. Yeah, that's cool. But Liberia was not only black, they're black Americans. They're Americo Liberians. Those are your people that did that. From Georgia, from Alabama, from Tennessee, from Kentucky, from New York and Michigan and Ohio and California and Texas and even some brothers down from the West Indies. And that was you. That's the greatest of what westernized blacks did when they went back over the Atlantic. They built Liberia. We don't talk about it enough because Liberia isn't now what it once was. So out of all these accomplishments, though, right? That created an elite class. You want to be in politics? You got to be an American or Liberian. You want to be a Mason? You want to join the Grand Lodge? See, you got to be an American or Liberian. I mean, they made some changes in like the 20th century, but for lack of a better term, we was running to Boston over there. Anything, anybody of power, we was in charge. Now, the Liberia that you see today, poor, destroyed, economy ain't worth nothing. See, that Liberia came out of jealousy. See, because what happened was, see, there was a native African. His name was Sam Udo. That's why they always say, you know, when you go in the South, they have a little saying. They say, all skin folk ain't kin folks. There's an African. Again, his name was Sam Udo. He was jealous of the last president named Tolbert, right? A brother named William Tolbert was running the show. And while Liberia was on his peak, Jealousy set in. A Native African wanted to be in charge. He felt like there was some discrimination going on. And he killed William Tolbert. And as soon as William Tolbert fell, the economy of Liberia fell. I mean, it was almost like at the same time, right? As soon as William Tolbert fell and he was killed, immediately after, Liberia fell. But I wouldn't expect nothing else because, see, as a Native African, in order to be good at trade, you got to know what other people like. And our cultures is different. See, black Americans, see, we got our own culture, man. We have a plantation culture. I have it. I'm not ashamed about it. I used to be, right, because my family come from a plantation in Greene County, Alabama, and... The name that's on that plantation, that's the name that my family wears today. So I have a plantation culture, even from the name to my religion. You know, my entire family is raised in the church house. So when you see plantation culture, you see black Americans for the most part. That's why, you know, culture is like everything that you do is your culture. What I dress, how I talk. You know, even things that I name inside of my home, like, you know, uh, where I sleep at at night. It's called the master's bedroom. 
Do you know why it's called that? Because on the plantation, that's the bedroom that the master slept in. That was the biggest room and the most comfortable room. And it was called the master's bedroom. So today, even in 2020, we're free. But I call the room that I sleep in the master's bedroom. I call the room that I eat in the dining room. I call the room in my home the dining room because that's what master called the room that he ate in. See, it just, we got the same culture. It mirrors. Um... I eat with a fork and a spoon and I drink out of a cup and I eat off a plate and I sit at the table on a chair because that's part of my culture. And I do this because this is what we see master do on the plantation. Now, when I take my wife out to dinner, though, and we go to an authentic Asian restaurant, when we go on the inside, we notice there is no chairs. There is no forks. There is no spoons. There's chopsticks. You sit on the floor. See, but the. That's part of Asian culture. See, that's how that works. But see, I have a plantation culture. If you ask a lot of black Americans who was the first humans on the planet Earth, they're going to tell you a story about somebody named Adam and Eve. And there was a snake. He could talk every now and then. And, you know, he can kick game. (laughs) We learned that on the plantation. See what I'm saying? So. We even have a concept as black Americans where we, um, there's a concept we go by, we call it having God parents, right? This is, this is black American, right? So God parents essentially is, you know, when you, uh, when your significant other is pregnant with child, before the child is even born, she's going to appoint someone as a God parent just in case something happens to her, then she will have a parent or her friend that could be a friend or a cousin or someone that's going to raise that child like it's theirs, right? Now, you got to ask yourself this. Where do you get these concepts from? See, you get them on a plantation, but how did you get them? In indigenous culture, right, as a sidebar, they don't even have a need for something called a godparent concept. Why? Like, what is it? It won't do them any good. But, If you're from a culture on the plantation in which your father or your mother can be sold at any minute, they would have to have somebody in place to look out for their children like it's their own because they're living on the plantation. See, we have a definitive plantation culture. Right? That's what we have as black Americans. So watch this. Now, now watch this. So you have a president... In Liberia, right? He's an American Liberian, meaning he's a black American descendant. His name is um, Tubman. And when he took office, right? Because uh, I, I just want you to just kind of watch something, right? In 1947, you had 100 years that Liberia was celebrating independence from the American Colonization Society. And also, they was, you know, celebrate being out of the United States, right? Out of slavery, out of bondage, they were free. There was a president that took office. His name again was uh, President Tubman, right? During his inauguration, he wore a tie pad. He wore a three-piece suit. He popped firecrackers, right, for his inauguration. Not like the little cheap firecrackers. I mean, like the real, like, 4th of July fireworks, right? He had a whole fireworks display when he took office. Um, they played taps, right? Taps, if you're not familiar, 
you know, maybe somebody in your family is. This is like a, a military musical piece, right? Taps that they play in respects of, of soldiers and troops. When I say they, I mean the United States military. Out of respect for soldiers and troops that may have fallen, right? But this is what Tubman played during this inauguration. They had a parade. They had floats going up and down the streets of Liberia like you would see if you went to Mardi Gras in New Orleans, right? This is just one president. These are his actions over 100 years later of their independence from American Colonization Society and being free from the United States of America. Now, I'm going to describe to you the presidential banquet looked like after his inauguration that they ate in celebration of him being elected as president. They ate barbecue chicken. They ate fried chicken. They ate buttermilk biscuits, macaroni cheese, rice and gravy, and a few other things that we eat back in the States. But everything that I named to you on the menu, it sounds familiar. It sounds familiar to you because you're a black American and that's what we pretty much eat in the States, right? But this is the keeping of culture. I'm just, I'm painting a picture for you what I'm actually trying to do right now. I'm trying to paint a picture. After President Tubman left office, he was replaced by a brother named William Tolbert. He was the last black American, American Liberian to be president, right? He was killed in the coup by a clown named Doe, right? And the country fell after that. But I just want to paint this picture as well now. Just a mental picture now. When Tober took office, he became president. Part of his inauguration now, listen to me. He flew in the Grambling Tigers marching band out of Louisiana. Now, this is the keeping of culture. I just want you to think about that now. This is the president in a republic black republic and part of his inauguration ceremony now he wants to see what they call you know I don't want to say it on real names because my son goes to HBCU <laughs> but dig though they say Grambling is the baddest you know the baddest marching band in the land is what they say I know some brothers that go to you know Bethune Cookman would have a problem with that. I know some hornets at Alabama State University <laughs> will have a problem with that. I know some brothers out of FAMU that might have some problems with that. I know some brothers out of Fayetteville State University in North Carolina have some problems with that. <laughs> you know, brothers out of Morehouse may have a problem with that, but everybody like what they like. Nevertheless, Tobert said, I need the Grambling band up in here. But dig, but dig, what I'm saying is this. We're talking about culture, brother. He's exhibiting culture, right? And it's, it's important that I name these two presidents because this is acts going on well over 100 years. American Liberian have been in the country, right? Everything that they made Everything that they created was like a mirror of their life in America. Many of these presidents now, bear in mind, they were born in Liberia. They wanted to stay connected to the original culture from the Americas, from their culture in the Americas, right? Okay, so 
Here's something I want you to consider. Joseph Roberts, 1847, was the first president of Liberia, right? All the way up to William Tober was the land's president. Again, he was killed by Samuel Doe, a brown-skinned devil with an afro, native African, right? That's who killed him. And on the sidebar, I want to say this, right? This is a sidebar. You know, you, we got to learn from our history, right? We got to learn from our history. There's an entertainer. His name is Akon. And he's uh, building a city up right now. I think it's in somewhere near Senegal. He got the green light. He's building the city up. Now, as a black American, I've learned from my own people, right? American Liberians that I would never go to Africa to live as a group unless we was heavily armed with guns and we was able to control our own military. Because what I think our people went wrong at is that, well, I can't say they went wrong because they tried. But let me say what happened. Let me just say what happened first. Where we could change things if we could, let me say it that way. Maybe if we could change some things, we could in the sense of. See, we allow our military in Liberia to be natives, right? Because that's who Samuel Doe was. Samuel Doe was a native. He was a native African. And he was in the military, and when he got the chance, he killed a black American to take power over Liberia after we already built the whole country up ourselves. We did that. They didn't do that. We did that. And... After Samuel Doe, they got rid of him because what he had planned, it didn't work. See, it, see sometimes our people, we, we're so talented, we can make it look easy, but it ain't easy. Right? You know, see, we knew how to do trade because we was from America. So if you're coming from America and you know people like seafood and they like shrimp and they like steak and they like, you know, steel is a heavy industry over there. Okay, you get a territory where you can get grow your own land and things of that nature. You already know customers right off the back. Well, I can sell this back to America because this is what they like. All right, all right, different story for a different day, right? But it's, I'm just saying this. I want to say this. Joseph Roberts was trying heavily to recruit to get black Americans to move to Liberia. And then you had personalities come along like uh, Frederick Douglass would talk against stuff like that. No, no, you black Americans, we should stay. So he never can get the population up enough so he can protect his country with his really his own people, right? Black Americans now. Let's fast forward to Tubman. Tubman used to come to the United States in the 50s now and try to recruit black Americans in the 50s and in West Indies to come to Liberia. He couldn't get them to come. Because, you know, our people want to be surrounded with our own people. We have a different culture. We have a plantation culture. We're okay with that. I'm okay with that. But he couldn't get our people to come. At this time, you know, what um, Tubman tried to do to inspire the people was he put the embassy in a part of a white community in D.C. that was segregated. 
Because you got to remember at this time, you can't even drink out the same water fountain in these people and you can't even go to the same restroom with these people. So he wanted to put the embassy as a sign to so listen, man. He wanted to show so-called white people that all black people ain't living at the bottom. Don't be tricked by that. And he wanted to show black people, listen, we living good over here, bro. Y'all need to come to West that we running the whole show over here. Just us. Our people didn't do it. And what happened was you got to rely on the natives. And then the natives out of jealousy. Because, you know, come on, man, you got listen to me, man. You got a bunch of brothers over there from Philly and Detroit, Georgia, man. And come on, man, you over there and you getting the women and, you know, y'all getting the money. And that created a three style population. You had black Americans with other black Americans on Liberia. That's one style. Then you got style number two, which uh, it was like a mixed race. It was black Americans mixing, you know, them brothers over there, getting the sisters over there. And they producing like mixed race, you know, mixed race children. And then you had the straight natives over there. And when the Civil War broke out, see, it's the people in the middle that you got to worry about. The style number two. Because they have an allegiance to see their mom is from this tribe. Their mom is from that tribe. And you as a brother from Detroit and Cincinnati and LA, you know, you from Galveston, Texas somewhere, you you just picked Shorty up because she had a nice shape and everything, but it kind of went left when it was time for war. And we didn't have enough black Americans over there when it was time for war. That was the problem. So when you start looking at these civil wars in Liberia, that's what the war was over. They was jealous of you. And today, you know, you kind of like, you got the nerve to call yourself African, bro. If you was African and you was their brother, they would have never did that to you. But you're different. You got a different culture. You're a black American. You're a hybrid. You're not like anybody else on the planet. You're different. So that plantation culture that you have, that's enough for you to be able to successfully run a republic. Do you know how big that is? I personally, I want Liberia back. Because natives is running it right now. They don't even know what they're doing. They're running it to the ground. Every time I hear Ellen talk, she's a big president over there. It used to bother me, man. Like, why is she even talking? Because she over there, like, yeah, I want to take, I want to change the, you know, the flag down. And I want to change the name of this. Change them. like, man, you don't even know what you, what was y'all at 200 years ago? It was a, hey, I, I don't want to get on that. Different story for different day, right? But, but dig this. This is what I'm saying, though. Ghana have offered the right to return and all this. And then you got presidents in Benin, Right? They give apologies for slavery and all this and all that. And they saying, you know, black Americans should come and live underneath their government. Why would I want to come over to Africa and live underneath somebody else's government? I don't want to do that. If I'm living over there, I don't want to be no Ashanti. I don't want to be a part of nobody's tribe that's already going. I don't want to be no tribe. I'm not African. I'm a black American. If I come over to Africa, we got to run the show ourselves. I don't want, I just want the whole land. We got to have our own military. I don't want to be underneath anybody. That just ain't my thing. That ain't my bag. I feel like black Americans have enough arrogance and enough swag. We shouldn't want to be underneath nobody. 
Who want to leave underneath a white man to be underneath a black man just because he's black? No, I, I want to be underneath somebody that look like me, that think like me, that talk like me, that we can, we understand things from the old country. <laughs> you know, that's what we call America. That's the old country. When you go somewhere else, we want to do things like they do it over here. That's what the Italians did. They came to America and they did things like they did in the old country and they're successful. That's what the Irish did. You go to a new land and you keep the culture of your old land and that makes you successful. But see, here's the question that I want to ask the family, right? This is the whole, you know, this is what I'm getting to as a conversation, right? This is what I want to lead to. If everybody that was black in the United States was indigenous Indians and there was aboriginals and we was always here and all of this kind of talk. Then why didn't our people display that when it was in Liberia? Like, why didn't it happen? If any place it should have happened, it should have happened in Liberia. It just didn't happen. So if you can look at the slide I have in front of us now, it says Indian Awareness Timeline. And it has... The Trail of Tears, which is from 1831 to 1877, right? That means that people were moving from the east, traveling west. And these people that were moving was fully aware that they were Africans. They were fully aware that they was Indians, that they was natives. They were fully aware at 1831 to 1877. During this exact same time now, during this exact same time, 1820, you have the American Colonization Society sending our people to West Africa, right? So, let's think about it. 1850, you had a census. And in this census, the dark was labeled Maluto. The dark Indian was labeled Maluto in this census. So, that could have confused a lot of black Americans that was Indian, right? Because this is the story that they tell us. Woodrow Wilson, 1913... To 1921, there could have been some public school influence in which black Americans could have forgot that they were Indian and thought they were African. Because I'm just trying to play along with the narrative as if it could have happened that way, right? So if our people was confused by the 1850 census, right, and we, we forgot who we were, or Woodrow Wilson had public school influence and we forgot who we were, or there was a Racial Integrity Act with Dr. William Pleckert in 1924, and our people could have forgot who we were as Indians, and we would have thought that we were Africans. The only people that would have retained their identity as Indians would have been the black Liberians. Because before any of this was going on, they were already gone. If any black population that could have retained the identity of our people being original Cherokee, original Cheyenne, original Chickasaw, original Choctaw, you know, original Lakota, it would have been the black Liberian. This would have been the only population that would have been able to retain the true identity of black American Indians because, listen, they just didn't send our people to Liberia from one part of the United States. The West Indies went. Brothers from Alabama went. Kentucky went. Mississippi went. New York. Virginia. 
Tennessee, it was our people scattered all over the United States that went. Not from one Pacific territory. So that means that collectively somebody would have been able to retain this information that they were Indians. But guess what? It never happened. Our people went over there and built churches and lodges. That's an expression of culture. They said hello. They spoke English. They wore linen suits. There were no feathers. They had top hats on with three-piece suits on, brother. What happened to all the feathers? Listen, when Tubman, 19 presidents deep, when Tubman had his inauguration, the brother had barbecue chicken, (laughs) barbecue chicken, macaroni and cheese, fried chicken, Rice and gravy and buttermilk biscuits, man. As part of his, his, as part of his menu of the food that he was going to eat. But nobody was saying halito and oseo and there was no feathers up and you know nowhere in none of the constitutions that they wrote. Oh, you know we're from a land that was originally named Total Island and we can't. It just never happened. Why didn't it happen? Did they forget they was Indians too? Is this, uh, They couldn't have forgot. Because they left during the time where everybody, they left during the time that the Trail of Tears was going on in the United States. Everybody already knew they was Indian. They left before the census could confuse them. They left before Woodrow Wilson had the public school influence. They left before the Racial Integrity Act. Anything that you can think of that was already gone. How come they did not maintain Indian culture? You know why? There was no Indian culture. The only black Americans that had Indian culture was Estalustas. Do you know what an Estalusta is? That's a black person that intermingled with the natives. Or there was a slave of the natives. Or that was a black person that was brought in to Indian land. To Indian territory. Estalusta. Meaning a Indian of African descent. Nobody in Liberia is talking to this indigenous talk. Nobody. Just you. You ain't even talking it. You just start recently talking it with the invention of the YouTube. See? And now, when you think you're Hebrew, when you think you're Cherokee, when you think you're more, and everybody is so anything but Africa, the territory that's really yours in Africa that got your name on it You're not willing to fight for it because you think you're from somewhere else. And you know what? I be thinking to myself, I'm like, if you built Liberia like you built it up, you didn't even have any education when you built that place up. What do you think you're going to do when you take back Liberia? Because it's yours. The American Colonization Society, 
They bought that piece of property. It do not belong to Native Africans. Listen to me. Liberia, it does not belong to Native Africa. It do not belong to Native Africans. It belonged to black Americans. It will always belong to black Americans. We bought it. We paid for it. It's ours. But if somebody told you you're Hebrew, maybe not. In my estimate, what happens is that sometimes I think that people have issues with my podcast because I tell my people exactly who they are. I say, no, brother, you're just a black American. That's all. You're a hybrid. We have plantation coaches. That's just who we are. Because as long as I keep telling our people that we're black Americans, see, people that want you to be Indians, they don't like it. People that want you to be Indians, they ain't going to like me. People that want you to be comedic and all this crap, they ain't going to like me. People that want you to be more and all that, see, they're not going to like me because, see, what happens is that as long as you know that you're black American, nobody can sell you nothing. If you see a black man that's trying to teach you you're Indian, give him some time. He's going to try to sell you something. Because, see, what happened is that I have to teach you that you're something that you're not first. And once you believe it, I'm going to sell you something to reinforce this other culture. So if a Negro running around telling you, hey, man, you Cherokee and you all this, give him some time. He got something he want to sell you. He's going to come along with a genealogy book. How silly is that? A black American buying a genealogy book. Or if they can't sell you a genealogy book, they got a movie they want to sell you. <laughs> they got a DVD they want to sell you. And if they can't tell you Indian... They're going to tell you from East Africa and they got a bunch of comedic stuff they want to sell you. They want to sell you some onks and this and that and teach you about the pyramids. But check this out. You don't need it. And Liberia is proof you don't need it because you was able to successfully run a government without knowing all these principles from Kemet. Without knowing all these principles from Kush. Without knowing all this information from the Moor Society. Without knowing all this information about Cherokees. Just a plantation culture and you successfully ran a government. You wasn't even the first black republic. See, the difference between Liberia and Haiti is that Haiti is the first black republic, but Haiti, they can't name you no glory years yet, bro. They can't say, yeah, you know, we took over you know, in the early 19th century, but, you know, we had 50 years of prosperity. You know, we had 75 years of prosperity. We had 25 years of prosperity. They can't say that. Hey, listen, I love my Haitian brother. This is no diss. They can't say that. But the difference is you as a black American, when you talk about Liberia, you can say that. You can say, man, we have 40 years of prosperity. We had 50 years of prosperity. We did it with our own plantation culture. We had no other this junk, all this junk that we got now on YouTube. We didn't need none of that to run a successful republic in West Africa. Your own culture is enough, family. I don't let nobody call me African. 
I don't want to be Ashanti. I don't want to be Igbo. <laughs> hey, yo, they got the Igbos. The Igbo chiefs come to, like, Virginia every year. And they do a ceremony. And they uh, incorporate black Americans into their tribe every year. I don't know if you know that. And I just be like, yo, what you guys got is enough. What we got is enough. We ain't Indian family. We ain't African neither. We black Americans. And what we have is enough. Peace and black power to your family. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. This is Big VJ, man. Real Black Conscious Forum, family. I'll get it with you guys next time. Peace.